0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the All In Football podcast. I'm your host, Cully Mathurou, and joining me, as always, we have Alex Rex, Scott Williams, and Tom Hughes. Coming up on the show today, we have our regular segments on fantasy football and the Football League, as well as focusing on England. We'll be picking our combined 11 for the Euros, along with some outside candidates for the squad of potentially 25 players now, as UEFA are deliberating on. As always, if you want to give us a follow on social media, you can do on All In Football Pod on Instagram, and all in football P on Twitter. Right. No time like the present. Let's get stuck in. England 3 out of 3 in the international break. Some decent performances by a few players. And four at the back, which is a surprise there given recent team selections. And speaking of team selections, we have been choosing our starting 11s and squads for the Euros. And we're gonna, gonna try and combine them now. So we've agreed on a 4-3-3 formation, and of course, we're gonna start with a very debatable position. And that's the goalkeeper. Scott, you and Tom have both stuck by Jordan Pickford in your 11s. Why have you kept the faith in him? And can we trust him?
1: Uh, we've kept the faith, faith in him because it's the right decision to do, clearly. Um, Why is it the right decision to do? He's brilliant, isn't he, really? You look at him past uh, track record down the years. He's, he's outstanding. He's arguably the best shot, um, just blatant shot stopper in the Premier League. He's done it week in, week out for England as well. I don't think you can really pinpoint too many times when he's made a big error for the team. And he's one thing that's unbelievably important in modern-day football and the way we're trying to play as an England team is the ability to pass the ball from the back, which he is arguably up there with the likes of Edison in the Premier League at doing so. Um, you, You can compare him to Pope, but... 60% 60% pass completion to Nick Pope's 45% pass completion this season in the Premier League, and Nick Pope has about a two percent uh, higher save success uh, succession rate, which I think surprises a lot of people to be honest with you. And the thing that impresses me most about John and Pickford is his mentality. He gets knocked down again, but he gets right back up. He's got a, a brilliant, um, you know, brilliant mentality going forward. Nothing seems to phase him, and I think. He honestly installs confidence in that back four. That's why, for me, he's our number one going into the Euros.
0: Okay, Alex, uh, Nick Pope is the choice for myself and you. Uh, Is that a case of just completely mistrusting Pickford or is Pope the outstanding candidate for number one? Is he the safest option of the three that will most likely go to the Euros?
2: I I love Nick Pope. So he's faced 397 shots this season and kept nine clean sheets compared to Pickford's 299 shots in his six clean sheets. I personally believe every attribute other than with his feet, Nick Pope is a better goalkeeper than Jordan Pickford. Unfortunately, he had his opportunity these three international games and... um, He kind of let me down, really, because I wanted to come onto this podcast and really, really back Nick Pope and say, don't worry, he'll be fine. I have confidence in him with his feet, but he really genuinely worried me when he was trying to pass the ball out from the back. Um, But I I honestly don't trust Pickford. He makes me nervous as a goalkeeper. Um, And actually, I think that if Dean Henderson gets a run in the United side towards the end of this season uh, and he performs as well as he has done for Man United, let's forget that one one save against... uh, AC Amrou went down a little bit too early. Um I think actually as an all-rounder he's probably not quite as good with his feet as Pickford. He's probably not quite as good a shot-stopper as Pope, but all-round he's uh, probably the more safer option. Um so yeah, sorry Pope, but your passing's really let you
1: down these last three games. When you're panicking at the back passing the ball out against the mighty Albania, that's when you know, you know, it's, it's time to be a bit worried, isn't it?
2: Unfortunately, I have to agree with you. I wanted to come on this week and just be like, "No, Pope's the man." Because to be honest, I think Pope's a better keeper. I really do. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's, it's uh, then I agree with Henderson.
3: Maybe Pope's been reading all the all the media discussions about his distribution, and maybe that's got him worried about it, and it's in his head, and it's made it even worse because it did look terrible in those three games.
0: Are you solely Pickford then, Tom? Or do you can you have a, a bit of a a leeway to to Pope as well or, or Henderson?
3: I, I think Pope and Henderson are better goalkeepers outside of kicking. But unfortunately, distribution is such a major part of the game. And I think if you watch Pope, if he distributes like he did in those three games against your your France's, your Portugal's, your Spain's, any of the big sides when you come up against them, I think he'd be fine against the, the lower-ranked teams. But against those big teams, you give the ball away, you're not getting it back for a couple of minutes. Um, so it's really, really important. That's why all the big teams these days, they have ball-playing goalkeepers and Pope and Henderson at the moment are not that, that goalkeeper. Pickford is much better at distributing the ball. So long run, yeah, for me, Pickford is just going to be the better option in that tournament.
1: I think the defence needs to have confidence in the keeper as well. And if the defence is worried about passing the ball back because they're worried about its
0: distribution, that's going to have a big impact for me on the way we play. So, um, OK, I'll get get your points on your passing success rate that you mentioned. He's got, uh, what, something like 15, 16% better than Nick Pope um, in the Premier League. And his save success rate is only 2% below Nick Pope. But I've got to stat for you as well. Over the last five years, uh, Jordan Pickford has made the most mistakes of any goalkeeper in the Premier League, leading to goals 15. The next highest is Hugo Lloris with 11. So, is that going to instill faith from your defenders in the goalkeeper to make mistakes? How,
3: how, many, is it, how many mistakes has he made in England? Thank you, Tom. I was going to say that. Uh, that. That would be the question I'd ask because I actually think he maybe has a tendency to get a bit riled up and his status in the Everton team gets him in that position. Whereas, I think for England, it's a bit more of a mixed group and perhaps he has to control himself a little bit more. And I think we see what we've seen with Pickford this year under Ancelotti is a more calm, and uh, maybe that he's calmed down a little bit, and that influence is having a, an impact he's,
0: on him. He's still that, made four mistakes this season, England, season right? leading to goals, Tom. He's still made four mistakes leading to goals this season. Oh, he's been good. Defense. He's been good. I agree. I agree. He's been better this season. Uh, weirdly, since the Van Dyke incident, he's been really, really good. He had a brilliant performance at Anfield. But let's be honest, he's still a bit of a calamity in the Premier I, League. I don't
3: I don't disagree that he's a risk. I'd be lying if I. We all know he's a risk. He's some of the challenges. Some of the decision making is poor. But also, Pope played three games against moderate opposition and nearly conceded a couple of goals before the one where he actually played the pass to John Stones. Now, John Stones is going to get all the stick for that. But Southgate rightly said, you know, the pass from Pope wasn't good. And I've, I can't remember there was another situation a few weeks ago in the Premier League where a goalkeeper, I think it was Leno, played out to Jacker, And then Jacker plays it across because he's got so few options. But Leno is a goalkeeper. He's forward-facing. He can see what's going on. He should know when to go long and when to go short. And I don't trust Pope to make that decision. Is distribution is com- just not good enough.
2: I completely, completely agree with that. The, the Pope's distribution isn't good enough. The Stones thing, I mean, the past one was terrible, but uh, there's no excuse for Stones though in that situation. Just,
3: just on no, it point. no, it isn't. But it was it a bad pass. But it was a bad pass. <laughs> it was me. a bad. It, pass. Uh, well, just, John Stones should have got rid of it as well. So you can talk about that, but that's a, a mistake leading to the pressure on John Stones, and then John Stones asked him to made that mistake. It should never have got to John Stones. I
2: genuinely feel really let down by Nick Pope these last three games because I was all for Pope 100%. I think he's been one of, if not the best goalkeeper in the Premier League these last couple of years. I think he's up there in at least the top three. I would I would argue that. But uh, yeah, we need to have a keeper that's good enough playing with the ball up from the back. That's the style we want to play and he hasn't been good enough.
0: It's an important thing, but when you say about Nick Pope, Al, I totally agree with you in terms of he's been one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League for the last three seasons. And he's in terms of mistakes, like I said, with that Pickford start, he's not even in the top 15. He's He just doesn't make a mistake. In terms of handling or anything like that, he doesn't make a mistake. He just does the basics well as a goalkeeper. And I think in tournaments like this, you need no low-risk players in your side. We need to make a decision, and we've got two votes each for Pope well, and Pickford. So it sounds like Alex is
1: coming over to the Pickford side, mate. <laughs> I'm I'm well and
2: truly in the Henderson camp
0: now.
1: <laughs> oh, we win by majority <laughs> that then. Calls it then.
2: Yeah, that
3: calls it then. <laughs> Damn it!
0: Right, so we've got so we've got Pickford by two votes to one each for Henderson and and Pope. Yeah. Okay, I would just say so,
3: I think we've got
1: three really good keepers there, so I'm not too bothered if Pickford's not in goal. I, yeah, I, I want he's not uh, close, but I think he's good.
0: I want a handwritten apology when Pickford does something stupid in the quarterfinal and costs us a place, okay? So, oh, I I'll just, see when we'll I get uh, to the
1: quarters anyway, so.
0: Oh, so the round of sixteen when we got knocked out of ah, France. So, yeah. Um <laughs> we're gonna move on to right back. Uh, Tom, so many options at right back. It's probably our strongest pos- position in terms of depth. Uh Reese James has won our vote, three votes to one. I've gone for Carl Walker. Uh reasons why you've gone for Reese James are the likes of Walker and Trent and Alexander Arnold.
3: Yeah, I'll keep it concise. He's the best option. He's got the best balance of all the options we have. Kyle Walker, uh, obviously very fast. We all know he's very fast. Um, but I think that hides some of Kyle Walker's le- lesser qualities. He's not a great crosser of the ball. Uh, I don't think his decision-making in the final third is always brilliant. Uh, you don't, For a player of his speed and his athleticism, you should see him get more assists, um, and he doesn't. And I think the reason for that is because his decision-making is not great. Uh so Reese James, in terms of his crossing with Harry Kane in the middle, I think it's just a massive attribute. Apart from Trent, I would say that James' crossing and uh, his passing ability is probably the second best. Uh, but where James has the, the advantage over Trent, even if Trent has the confidence, is James is also excellent defensively. Um, so Reese James, for me, he's part of a, a very highly confident Chelsea defence at the moment, off the back of a lot of clean sheets, he's going to take that through into the tournament. I think he's an obvious obvious choice of me. We do have a lot of options at right back, but I, I don't see that there's an argument for anyone apart from Reese James, for me personally. I, I, it may end up being Walker, but...
0: Just just to play devil's advocate on your, your saying, defensively, uh, Trent is worse than Reese James. Uh, Reese James, out of Trent, Walker, Ivan Rwambisaka and Reese James, has the worst duel percentage and the worst tackle percentage and the, he gets take on he gets taken on past the most by all of them for even Trent Alexander-Arnold so i do agree Reese James is a very good uh, very good player though and that's why we voted him in our side uh scott i'm going to move on to center backs um pretty unanimous maguire and stones for all of us um are they solid enough as a back two and do we need two defensive midfielders to protect them um, first
1: first, first and question there I think the Arsenal enough, is about two um, I think they've looked pretty good the last few games I've seen them play I think you've got two players there that have the right mentality I've already, um, already touched on peak mentality I think Stones is he's openly come out saying he's been working with um, you know a mindset coach and this and that and McGuire has shown over the last couple of years the amount of stick and pressure he has as Man United captain and I think England vice-captain now is immense and he's come out of it and he's playing unbelievable. I think them two together are uh, work really well. There's, there's been a lot of news in the press about them being mates growing up. I think that works well with them. I think it works well in other parts of the team. Mason, Mount, Declan Rice we'll probably touch on in a moment. But I think it's good for us now where we can just go back four, more or less done. I think that's really helpful for structuring the rest of the players. And it's not a position we've had for many, many years. So, yeah, I'm very confident for them two being asked centre-back partnership. And the second question, two CDMs. I think we do against the better opposition, but against your Albanians, I don't think we do. I think a Declan Rice can do a job in there. I think Declan Rice can do a job anywhere in the pitch, as you know, but I think he can do that on his own. But against better oppositions, slip a little Calvin Phillips in there and they'll protect it well.
0: Yeah, I agree with all of that. Um, Alex left-backs, a bit of an odd one, if I'm honest, because we've always struggled to replace Ashley Cole for, for years now, but... Luke Shaw's come out of nowhere this season uh, and unanimously wins our vote to start. A uh, bit of a Cinderella story for him. Yeah,
2: it's it's, it's great. He's to talk about mentality again. I mean, the, the man's come back from being called fat, overweight, lazy. In fact, he's been abused quite badly online for many years, and he's come back and shown some real character. Real great. He's got abused by Jose Mourinho and openly in press conferences. Like, he's come back. He's shown his strength of character. He's got five assists for United this season. He's also scored a goal. Um, he he's most consistent pick he plays every week he's shown his fitness and obviously you look at Ben Chilwell's he's not 100% even in the Chelsea team at the moment I think we've got two really good left backs actually there I really do um, I do think Aaron Cresswell has been fantastic this season as well he's been the top scoring defender in fantasy football this year I think he's a top, top, top left back and also he could play left centre back as well if uh, Gareth decides he's going to mess about with uh, back fives again but yeah Luke Shaw number one pick I think that's relatively comfortable and unanimous you know, across the board
1: did look good last night Joe well, though. I
2: thought oh, he's, a, he's a top player if he started left back I wouldn't be upset about it yeah. but Shaw is, Shaw is the number one pick I think
0: yeah I think we've got two good choices there right we'll come back to the midfield and attack later on but for now we're going to move on to our EFL roundup and there's only one man for it of course over to you Scott Cheers, boys. So, yeah, no
1: championship football this weekend with the international break. But looking ahead to the weekend, we have a bank holiday football fiesta. Games on Good Friday and Easter Monday. So, a slight little look ahead to the championship. Watford versus Chef Wednesday and Birmingham versus Swansea. They stand out for me as the top two fixtures. Big points needed at both ends of the table. And one for the Acker for the championship. Norwich to win away at Preston. Best away record plays the fourth worst away. Uh, sorry, fourth worst home record. I fully expect Norwich to bounce back after the draw last time out against Blackburn. Over to League One. The big eye-catching result this weekend was Peterborough's 7-0 demolition job against playoff chasing in Ackenten. This win and Hull dropping two points against Gillingham means the posh closed the gap to Hull at the top to just one point with a game in hand. Sunderland won to keep the pressure on the top two. Well, it's no win in their last five games with Donny. They're really struggling um, after Darren Moore's exit to Chef Wednesday actually sees them slipping outside the playoffs. At the bottom, AFC Wimbledon beat Northampton in a massive relegation six-pointer to close the gap to safety. Looking ahead to the weekend, Pompey play Rochdale, Ipswich versus Bristol Rovers and Swindon versus Blackpool stand out for the main games on Friday. Again, massive implications at either end of the table. There's only in League One, it's fantastic. There's only about three teams in a whole league that really don't have a lot to play for. It just means every game has massive, massive implications for the rest of the season. And one for the Acker, Peterborough versus uh, Fleetwood versus... Peterborough versus Fleetwood over 2.5. Getting so excited about Posh because they're just bagging the goals lately. I can't speak. Solely for the fact that it is Peterborough. We've got the old school Peterborough back with us. There's been 20 goals in their last three games. So just bang it on. It's going to come in. Uh, Over to League Two. Cheltenham lost to Promotion Chase and Markham to lose top spot to Cambridge, who beat Carlisle 1-0. Bolton beat Forest Green Rovers in a top-of-the-table clash. 13 games unbeaten, including 11 wins, is absolutely outrageous form from Bolton who are now just goal difference away from one of those three automatic promotion places. At the bottom, Grimsby can only draw with struggling Walsall, while Southend picks up a massive win to close the gap to Borough to three points, who lost. On Friday, leaders Cambridge play sixth place, Morecambe, and second place, Cheltenham, play third place, Tranmere Exple- Expect plenty of movement at the top this weekend. And one for the Acker in the League two, Salford versus Grimsby, under 2.5. Four of Salford's last five have all been on the 2.5, while Grimsby have only scored four goals in their last seven away games. Don't expect many fireworks on that one. And that's my roundup
0: for the week. So,
1: back to you, Kully.
0: Sounds scorchy for that, mate. Right, back to England now. We're going to talk mid- midfield three. Um, Probably five or six players in contention for this one. But you've also got some outside shouts that may not even make the squad, if I'm honest. So people like James Ward-Prowse, Harry Winks, uh, Jesse Lingard, Madison, Bellingham, Bartley, the list goes on. Uh, I think the easiest way to do this is to pick our midfield three together uh, and instead of position by position. So I'll come to you first, Tom. Think, What are your midfield three selections and why?
3: it's so hard it's so hard Oh, I've said it before I've said it before so Declan Rice uh, uh,
0: is it so hard because you is it so hard because you want to put Calvin Phillips in
3: <laughs> yeah pretty much pretty much pretty much <laughs> uh, I really really want to put Calvin Phillips in but I've already said on previous podcasts that I think if it comes down to one CDM I do genuinely think that um, it's going to be Rice uh, so I'm going to stick with that. Rice, and uh, he impressed me against uh, Poland, the bits I saw of him. He was good in space. Uh, he played a lot of progressive passes. So I'm happy to keep Rice in there. Um, I think what Scott mentioned previously about playing two, uh, yeah, I, I would be happy against happy with that against the better teams, perhaps. Uh, but certainly, I think we should try and play progressive football. And If you're going to do that, it's Declan Rice. Um, God, Mason Mount, yeah, I think Southgate's faith in him is not just that he likes Mason Mount. I think Mason Mount is a brilliant player. He looks really good when he plays for us, and not just for Chelsea. Uh, again, he look always looks like he's got something creative in him, a little bit similar to Jack Grealish. He looks like he can just unlock unlock that door, unlock that difficult defence to break down. Um, and for me, uh, the third choice is going to be uh, is going to be Phil Foden. Why is that? Why is that? I don't think I need any more explanation for that, do I? I, I he's just brilliant. If he's, I, he's majestic on the ball, and you have to get him in somewhere. Uh, because based on the front three I've got up top, uh, it's going to be it's going to be Phil Foden. Um, I, I like if, if you're going to play the back four that we're playing, which is quite defensively solid with Declan Rice holding. I've got enough confidence in that back four and Declan Rice covering them. I'm happy to play two more creative midfielders in Mason Martin Foden. It's as simple
0: as that. Happy with that, mate. Nice and creative. Scott, what are you going for? Uh, I believe it's the same three, is it? Yeah,
1: exactly. So Not much more to touch on, really. Tom's covered it pretty well. I would just say I'm Declan Rice's biggest fan. Uh, I'm not just saying that. I, I do say it a lot. But I think everyone can agree, the last few games, he's just so comfortable in that position. I think he's brilliant. Um, and yeah Phil Foden is one of the most gifted players we've got so yeah I I get excited I just want to play I want to see him play more for Man City I just think we need to see more of that but yeah same three
0: Alex any changes for you?
2: No uh, my only worry is Foden's defensive side of his game Uh, I agree with all the midfield three but that's my only worry about it to be honest Um, I like how they can handle the ball in tight spaces they can play in the pockets they can be creative yeah, I think that midfield three definitely against opposition where we're going to have the majority of the possession is the right way forward. And yeah, I would go to um, a two-holding two, two holding midfielders against top teams and that main reason is because of yeah, I don't think any of those guys are good enough to play alongside Rice at a two. So yeah, uh, when we don't have as much possession, I'd probably shift the formation round. But for now, that midfield three is right.
3: I'd just comment on that as well. Eh? Just from the, watching these three games in the World Cup qualifiers what was quite interesting was he went with Declan Rice and Calvin Phillips. And I thought if either of those would get pushed into an advanced position, it would be Declan Rice. But if you watch those games, Calvin Phillips was playing so far forward at times. There was a point, I think it was in maybe the Albania game, where he was in front of Harry Kane. And that can, he's not, that's, Calvin Phillips is not the kind of player to move out of the position he's been told to be in. So that must have been Southgate thinking, like yeah. push Calvin Phillips a bit further forward. I thought that was quite interesting.
1: He came with. out after the game and said that, actually, Tom. He did say they made a tactical decision. Yeah, so you were bang on the money okay,
0: there. I think it's probably to see if... Uh, well, Declan Rice is probably nailed on as a DM, isn't he? So it's probably to see if Phillips can play that position if Jordan Henderson isn't fit, which... I've put Jordan Henderson in because I think he will be fit for the Euros. And I think in place of Phil Foden, I've gone for, I think we need our vice captain in there. I think when the chips are down, he's a leader. He's been a leader for Liverpool for, for years. And he's led us brilliantly to, to victories in the Champions League and the Premier League. Had to get that one in there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's the talker. I, I think Harry Kane's not really a talker on the pitch as a captain. I think he's more a lead by example with his play. I think Jordan Henderson will be showering and talking and and leading the players if he is fit. So I've gone for Jordan Henderson. I don't think there's going to be many arguments against that. If he does start, uh, we can always rely on him. So
3: I I would argue that just very quickly, Cully, because how long has Henderson been injured for?
0: If he comes back by just the start of the Euros, it'll be around 10 weeks.
3: So if he comes back just at the start of the Euros, you're going to put a player who hasn't played compared to football for 10 weeks into one of the most difficult formats that uh, professional football can take.
0: Yeah, because I've seen him do it before. He's been out for spells of th- two or three months for, for Liverpool and come back straight back in and lead us brilliantly. So I'm, I've not saying, I'm, not,
3: I'm not saying he wouldn't still be a great leader, but would he have the match sharpness to go into that environment? I, I, I think that if it was a diff player from a different club that you didn't have that affinity with, you might not think that. That's my personal view on that. I've, I think that maybe maybe, because you have, you've seen him come back and uh, do that for Liverpool, and you've seen him be that leader, it's maybe clouding that judgment, because I don't think you do that with any other player 10 weeks ten weeks injured to come straight back in uh, to, to a competitive environment uh, well,
0: uh, like that. Two points, I agree with what you're saying, in terms of match Sharpness, I don't think he'll be anywhere near the likes of Foden if he keeps playing for City, but there is a lot of talk that he's going to be fit for Liverpool two, three weeks, four weeks before the end of the season. So I think he'll have at least four or five games in his belt before the Euros comes. If that is the case so he just comes back for the Euros squad, then I see your point. It's probably not going to be the best thing, thing to do, to, to put him in a in the first couple of games maybe. Maybe give him 30 minutes in each of them and build him up to, to match sharpness. But It's yeah, just never worked, that, has from it? From what I've
1: seen. It's just never worked. Like Rooney... Owen, it's just never worked. And I, I agree, if he comes back and plays for the last four or five games of Premier League, does really well. I think it's a different conversation. I think Henderson's very good, but I don't think he's nowhere near. I think Harry Kane may be the only player we would say that we would risk taking to the Euros. I don't think Henderson's that good.
0: Okay, fair enough. Uh, I'm not going to kick off with that because uh, it'll take uh, hours to, to <laughs> speak about that one. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> I think it's good, Cully. I just don't think it's good enough to not play any games to the rest of the season and then walk into game three in the Euros.
3: I think he, I, 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 it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I think I, I can understand where Cully's coming from. If he gets games under his belt before the end of the season and plays well in those games, then I think there's a justifiable case. If he doesn't get games or he plays a few games and it's and they're bad games for him, then why should he go?
0: I think this is a bit of a, a mute discussion because if he's fit, even if he's just fit for the Euros and he doesn't play a Premier League, he's going. He's just going. I'll be, fl- I'll be, flabbergasted. I'll be
1: flabbergasted if you want.
0: Well, I think you will be flabbergasted, oh, mate, because he's going. <laughs> he's going. He's 100% going. Yeah, he's 100% going as one of the options. So even if he's... Um, half-fit. Uh, Tom, one man we can all agree on is Jack Grealish. Um, he's a unanimous choice. He's left forward for us. Do you do you think there's still a bit of mistrust, though, from Gareth Southgate towards him? And is he England's key to success this summer?
3: Yes, I think there's mistrust for, uh, between Southgate and Grealish. I don't think it's on his footballing capability. Gareth Southgate likes characters. He likes good personalities in that England camp. We've already seen, you know, we talked about it on a previous pod. Is punishment of Greenwood and Foden because they broke the rules. And that's absolutely right what he did there. I think he doesn't trust Grealish because Grealish perhaps isn't worth his trust at this point. On a footballing perspective, I don't think Gareth Southgate could sit, could put a good case forward for why Grealish shouldn't be playing. Because he's brilliant. I can say that as a Leeds fan that despises him a little bit. But he's a brilliant footballer. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt there. So the only thing that I can think that explains why he doesn't like it uh, doesn't like Greenwich is because of his character. Some of the mistakes and some of the choices he's made on a personal level don't make him a good role model. And Gareth Southgate likes good characters in that squad. I-, I think that's the only thing I can think of. But football quality, he should be playing. He's brilliant. And he's looked good for England as well.
0: Do you think he's the, he's the key then for England to, to win the Euros if, if we've got a chance?
3: No, I think the key for us, if I'm being really honest, is Harry Kane. Because I genuinely think when Harry Kane's on form and he's firing, he'll score goals that aren't necessarily goal-scoring opportunities. Um, I'd like to see a lot of the analysis of England over the last few games has been Harry Kane dropping too deep. I'd like to see him stop doing that quite as quite as much because we want him in those dangerous areas. I think the key is Harry Kane. He's going to have so much quality. Even if Grealish doesn't play, he's still got Mason Mount, he's still got Foden, he's still got Sterling, he still might have Sancho, you know, injuries injuries provided and all that kind of thing. If you've got that much creativity, your most important man is your goal scorer. If Kane's firing, well, we could win the Euros. Mm.
0: Scott Sterling just edges the vote on the right-hand side. Um, mm-hmm. He's got two votes compared to Sancho and Rashford's one. What does he give you that's different to say a Sancho or Rashford?
1: Yeah, I think for me, Sterling gives you consistency. Yeah, and I know, I know he, he misses some chances and sometimes plays the wrong balls, but I think he gives you that consistency. You know, for me, you're, you know, you're always going to get at least a seven out of ten from every game, and there is going to be some tens out of tens in there. He's looked really good. I think in the last few games for England, I've been very impressed with him. Um Sancho's not been; he's been in dippy form, and Rashford's been in dippy form, so. I think Sterling's been praying well. He, he's got a few Man City players as well in that squad with him. And I've been impressed by, I keep saying mentality and leadership. Sterling, I think, is one of our leaders on that pitch as well. He had the captain's armband the other day and he impresses me. And I've, I've, I've seen him there for Man City a few times. I think he's going to be there. I just hope we get firing Sterling and not I can't, you know finish a, finish a shot for Toffee Sterling going into the Euros. But yeah, for me, it's got to be Sterling.
2: I just, Alex, uh, my personal opinion is Raheem Sterling is one of the most overrated players in the Premier League. Uh, He is not world class, that everyone talks about him as. He is still yet to score in a major tournament. And you talk about the quality of clubs that he's played, the quality, sorry, of nations we played against in the last World Cup. He's Never really scored a big goal for Man City. He's never really dragged them through a game and made that made that difference. Um, it, it's just, against big teams. I think he's got four and forty appearances in the Premier League uh, uh, overall. I think he's a I think he's a very good player, but he's just he doesn't even touch world class for me. Who have you got? All? Who, would
3: you, who would you
2: play then? I'd play Sancho. I think they. I, I, I
3: don't mind that.
2: I think as well one of the other key things as to why I'd play Sancho on the right hand side is because he that's his specialist position. Whereas Sterling can play on the right, but he is just like Rashford in terms of he likes to play on the left hand side and cuts in so much. Um, personally, yeah, on the right hand side, I'd, I'd play Sancho. I, I'm just not the biggest Sterling fan. I can't can't say I, I, it's the if I'm on a, if I'm watching England play football. And I think, God, we need a goal. We need somebody to change this game. We need someone to pull this through in a big moment. I just don't look at Raheem Sterling and go, oh, do you know what? He's the man. In the Champions League, against all the big teams, he's failed to score. He's got one goal against Real Madrid in nine years in the Champions League. Sorry, seven years in the Champions League. He
1: scored, scored against Spurs, didn't he?
2: He did. He did score against Spurs,
3: yeah. But they still are have you, knocked are out you, that. Are you classing Spurs as a big club, though?
1: <laughs> I, I, well, I mean, the goal was ruled out for VAR, wasn't it? But uh... <laughs>
0: <laughs> let's, let's not <laughs> offend anybody else in this pod. <laughs>
1: Why?
2: The only time he's What's ever, step, on? the only time he's ever, the only time he's ever stepped up for England is the Nations League game against Spain when he scored them two goals. And that's the, I, can, I just cannot think of another time. Do
3: you know what? I don't. I don't normally like backing down, but all the points Alex has just made made me and I love Raheem Sterling, so I disagree that he's not world class. I think he is. But I think for City, he gets so many chances and so so many options, so many opportunities that he eventually gets assists, gets the goals. I don't think you get that many chances for England, especially in international football. And I, I agree, if I want a player there, he's probably not the person. He missed a couple of really easy passes or chances in the, the last three games. I think against San Marino, he looked so hungry for a goal that he, the first 10 minutes, he was just flying shots all over the place being really wasteful. So, you've sold me. I'm, I'm changing my stance, yeah. <laughs> There's
2: no doubt Sterling's a, t- a top player and a top team. It's just that Willie Drake Like, he's got, like, 200 goal involvements in 300 games for Man City. But they're all in games where you can guarantee if Man City win 5-0, Sterling gets a hat-trick and they're the third, fourth and fifth goals. Every time. They're never the first or, or, or pretty rarely the second. He got one assist in the World Cup and it was against Panama. I just, yeah, I, I don't want to turn into slight and Sterling show because I think he's still probably one of our best options in that position. But yeah, I just, I think Sancho's
3: he's, the man over him.
0: He says that after five minutes of bashing Sterling. Um, I was going to say, yeah.
3: Um, <laughs> just, just uh, he's a Man United fan as well, so there's no bang <laughs> at all.
0: Never no, scored no, against man. man
3: United still. Yeah.
0: And Sancho's going to play for United next year, remember? So, yeah, no bias at all there. Uh, I've gone for um, St. Marcus Rashford himself. I think if you pick one of the three of them, they're very much a much of the muchness anyway. They're very similar players, they're all direct, to take on the fullback get to the byline, uh, I like to have a shot. So I think any of those three would be good options. You're going to have two of them on the bench anyway, most likely, uh, if Greeley starts. So yeah, good options for us to have. Uh, Alex, we're going to continue the, the Harry Kane loving. Um, he's obviously everyone's choices, you know, number nine for us. Um, is he the best striker in the world for you?
2: That's so why I had to like bash on Sterling for a bit because this point's just an, a mute point, like you would say, Gully. It's just it, like he is just one of the best strikers in the world. I don't think he's the best, but he is up there in that upper echelon of the Lewandowski's, the Harlands, um, the Agueros when he was fit. That sort of style of player through the middle who is top class. Um, would I agree that he should be our captain? I'm not too sure. Like you say, he leads by example rather than by sort of organisation, etc. But he can't, I don't know about his character in the dressing room, et cetera. He's obviously a top, top player. He's obviously our number nine. And I agree with Tom. If he
1: bags a load of goals, I think we win the whole thing. I think when you, if, if you've seen that Spurs documentary, he's. I think he is a voice. I think he's more of, he surprised me how vocal he was in that change room. You'd have thought he was a captain and not I, I, I He impressed me in that, if I'm honest.
0: I think that's I agree with
3: impressive. you there. so much. That's why he drops deep so much in the games, because he wants to lead. He wants to lead, by example, and get involved and show that he's willing to do the work. But sorry, Colly, I'll cut you off there. Go
0: on. No, no, I agree. I agree with what Scott's saying in terms of watching the documentary. I definitely think he has a voice there, but he didn't really inspire me in terms of the the, um, the team talks he was giving, pretty much. they almost made me laugh, if I'm honest. But um, yeah, I, I agree with what Alex is saying. I think he's one of the best in the world. Lewandowski is the best for me in the world. Didn't score Um, um, anything with that, did he? (laughs) (laughs) Wonder why. Why? okay. the big reveal of our combined 11 isn't far away. In fact, it's just after this fantasy football section. Big nine game weeks to come. Alex Rex, take it away, mate.
2: Well, thanks, Cully. I love to take an international break to really take stock and reflect on the season so far and have a look at where I've done well and where I've done badly. And um, my main issue this season, when I look back at the numbers, was my captaincy picks for the season. So um, currently I sit at 247,000th in the world, which is quite a long way off my best ever rank of the top 10K. I've got my wild card and my triple captain left. I was at 2.4 million at one point, so I can't complain about where I'm at. Um, but my captaincy picks, I've had 11 times when I've failed to get more than three points in my captain this season after 29 game weeks. And that's only accounted for 22% of my points. So one of the things I'm going to be focusing on really tightly is making sure that when I look at my forward-facing transfers to come, I'm going to make sure I've got a top captain for each of those game weeks anyway. But my aim is to come top 1%. I always want to come in the top uh, 80,000 managers if there's 8 million playing. And I'm going to be looking at using my wild card in game week 31 and my triple captain after the announcement of Spurs game week in game week 32, double game week in game week 32 against Everton and Southampton. Um, I want to come to you first, Scotty. You're the best of all of us so far this season. 209,000th in the world. You've got your wild card, your free hit and your bench boost left. Um, you've had the most successful captaincy picks as well this season. You've only had seven times your captains blanked. Uh, what's the secret and what's your plan for the rest of the season? secret is
1: pure luck. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I, am, I am the best of us, but very, very marginally. You are breathing down my neck there. Um yeah, I, I, I don't really know. I, I think it's important at the beginning of the season not to be too outrageous with your captaincy picks. If you're a bit behind and you need to mix it up, definitely definitely mix it up further down the line. For me, looking at, looking back through the season, what where I've done well, I believe, even though he's scored lots of points, is I've not really had salary. In. And I think when he's score points, they're the few weeks I've had him in. And when he's not, people have got mo- a lot of money tied up in him. And I've used that money elsewhere and been able to... Bring some more players in. So yeah, yeah, good, good season so far. Um, what was your other question? <laughs> <laughs> How are you going to be looking at using the oh, chips for right, the rest yeah. of the season? I've got to think about the it. Chips. So tough one, isn't it? So like I said, is a, um, there's a there's a game week coming up with only a few games. I think that's potentially going to be used for my free hit Wildcards, cards. I'm not too sure. It's going to get used, but I'm not going to panic and use it. Uh, bench boost potentially. I'll be honest. Just looking at the, I think this weekend's going to be high scoring. There's some big players that look like they've got easy games, so I think it's going to be a high scoring fixture. So potentially this week, but I'm just really just going to wait to what you're going to say for the rest of your section before I make any rash decisions.
2: I was uh, talking to a couple of people who haven't used their free hit last week, as in game week 29. If you haven't used your free hit that week and you've got a decent squad for this week, actually, yeah, the bench boost probably is one of the best weeks to use it will be this week. Uh, Cully, I want to come to you next. Um, The impressive stat I found out from your uh, season so far, Cully, is you have taken 104 points worth of hits. That's 26 extra transfers on top of the free ones that you get put that into a bit of context I've used five extra transfers Scott's used four and Tom's used one so uh, and you see you, you sit at 697,000 in the world <laughs> um, your most used team this year has been Spurs players along with me you've actually had more players from Spurs start than any other team and like I have as well actually um, and what's your plan with your bench boost chip that you've got left and what's your plan for the uh, for the rest of the season
0: uh, first party question, no comment. I'm just going to move on. Um, <laughs> um, I'm just a very impulsive person and I like making subs. I don't know why, but yeah, I did it last season and it worked out well in the work league for me, but uh, not so much this season. Um, plan for the rest of the season. I'm a bit like Scott. I was waiting for you to tell me what to do on this uh, little session if I'm honest. <laughs> before before, <laughs> before I make any decisions. um I was a bit disillusioned from like the last game week because um, I've, I've, I'll be honest, in our little mini league, I've kind of given up. In my work league, I'm still about 60, 70 points away from top, so I can still win it. But all the guys above me in that league I smashed that week and I was pretty terrible. So, yeah, um, and I'm still waiting for players to obviously come back from international breaks and see if they're okay. Uh, I've not really got a plan yet until you tell me what to do really, mate.
2: <laughs> well, in terms of the bench <laughs> boost chip that you've got left, it's just whenever your team looks like it's the best option, time to use it. Really, like you, when you look at your squad, it is it's just so squad dependent, and obviously you didn't free hit last week, so you probably you should have a strong enough squad actually playing this week, especially if Son's back fit. Um, Tom, I definitely wanted to come to you, so you have stuck to your guns this season. The team you have had the most starts from has been Leeds United, unlike a lot of other you know. Well, along with along with Scott, Scott has also had Leeds United be his most picked team. Okay. Um, which is I think yeah, good, uh, which is quite quite impressive. Um, one point six million in the world, Tom, you've got your wild card and triple captain left. It has to be said you have more than half your game week rank. You were three point five million in the world at one point, And now you're at one point six million. So you you've actually you've you've done really well the second half of the season. Um, you've been the worst in terms of captaining picks. That's because you forgot to change it from heung Son for about 10 weeks. But still, he did he did relatively well. Um, what's your plan with your chips and for the rest of the season? You're in the same spot as me, I suppose. Wildcalf 31, triple captain 32 is my plan currently.
3: Yeah, it's quite nice hearing that back. I take the positives from that in that I've climbed 1.5 million places or whatever it is. I mean, that's a that's a pretty good performance, isn't it? And actually, I think... A- when we started recording the podcast, I was 2 millionth. So I've gone up 400,000 places just in that time. So in the when Tom started concentrating trading leagues, I think I'm like third or fourth in our little mini league. so I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, but as you say, I did have some captain for a long time, uh, and that's a reflection of the fact that I didn't look at my team for about uh, two or three months. But that being said, now I'm concentrating. Uh, my plan... Um, It's probably very similar to lots of other people's, but I will probably be holding my team uh, until so it's 30 this week, isn't it? I'll be using wildcard probably in 31 or 33. I haven't decided yet. I think there's a double game week in 32. So I will be using my triple captain chip probably on Sir Harry Kane. Um, and that's my strategy, to be honest. So I'm hoping that you can either confirm that or tell me I'm a total idiot. Probably a total idiot by the fact that I'm 1.6 million.
2: <laughs> that's what I'll be doing, though, Tom. Uh, triple captain probably on Cade in 32, but I think half the game will be, to be honest. But it will be the the best option to to take, looking at the rest of the remaining fixtures. Um, this week definitely falls into two categories. Um, people with their wildcard chip and people without um, my personal recommendation i think the optimal strategy would be to use your wild card in game week 31 if you have it left and if you are going to do that then you've got one game week really which is game week 30 which is coming up where you can make one transfer which is just a bit of a free hit transfer a punt if you will which is one of my favorite things to be able to do the season when you know you're going to card. i had a couple of uh looks at punt picks, basically. Uh, and Leeds United are playing Sheffield United. I mean, any Leeds player, I think you could go for in there. If you don't have Rafinha, if you don't have Bamford, if you don't have maybe Jack Harrison, you can you can stick any of those guys in, really, or Stuart Dallas. Sheffield United have been abysmal. They've kept one clean sheet in the last 10 games, conceding 18 goals. So I'd be really surprised that I think Leeds have sorted their pitch out now, according to one of the podcasts I was listening to. So um it'll tend to be better for their football at home as well so uh, confirm it. if I'm wrong there Tom but I think that's what I heard anyway in terms of the pitch being sorted
3: I mean yeah they, they said that a couple of months ago and it got bad very quickly So I wouldn't I, I, maybe maybe <laughs> Good. Well, uh, well, yeah, bear that
2: in mind, though, at home for Leeds with the way they play football. Uh, Spurs play Newcastle. Uh, Kane and Son obviously aren't one-week punts. They're long-term picks. Uh, but you could go Bale, potentially. But again, he got dropped last time. You could look at Stephen Bergwijn or Lucas Moura, maybe. Uh, but I think Lucas Moura is probably the best punt out of those out of those lot. Um, ben Davis, maybe, if Regulon's injured. Um, Sergio Aria or so, if Doherty's injured. And Chelsea actually really... They look like a team that you could really look at investing in long term. I think if you're looking at a one week transfer, you would probably look at someone like Marcus Alonso. He's probably my favourite one week transfer pick option. that looks quite exciting because he might not play at all. But if he does play, I think he stands a chance of getting some really big points against West Brom. Um, But if you want to look at some more longer term transfers and that's oh, what I want to go back to. You want to look who you're going to captain each game week. That's one of the main strategies you need to look at in terms of scheduling your long-term transfers. Um, Chelsea defender, I think would be a great place to invest. One of the more consistent picks, Mendy, aspilla or Rudiger potentially. Since Tuchel took over, they've uh, only conceded two goals, but they have only scored 11 in their last 10. So I would shy away still from their attack as much as Mason Mount. I've got Mason Mount. He's probably the most consistent pick. Kai Havertz looks quite exciting, playing a false nine at 8.2 million. But if you're going for a long-term pick, I would still steer steer clear of them. Uh, one of the players you could definitely bring in is a Wolves defender. They play West Ham this week. But after that, four out of their next five games are against the five uh, four worst attacks in the league. Uh, which are Fulham, West Brom, Sheffield United and Burnley. And the other fixture is against Brighton. So a Wolves defender, probably a really good option there. Look at Kane, look at Son, but don't go too heavy on Spurs because they do blank in game week 33, even though they double in game week 32. So you don't want to be carrying over too many Spurs assets, especially if you've got Man City assets, because they also don't play in game week 33. So you've just got to be really careful that you don't hold more than two two Spurs, one Man City or two Man City, two Spurs and then you're going to put 10 players out. You've just got to be careful with that. Make sure the rest of your team can take those fixtures in game week. 33 that come up. Um, Kully, you'll love this. I think you should look at Diogo Jota. 6.7 million. Um, he's only owned by 4.7% of managers. I think he's looked like Liverpool's best attacker since he's come back from injury. Um, I'm... Definitely investing in him in my wildcard team at the moment. That's one of my first names on my team sheet. Um, And you could look at Salah if you wanted to. They've got the most balanced attack for the rest of the season towards the fixtures because they'll be also trying to get far in Europe as well as they will do in the league. But two of the teams that I really like the look of, fixture-wise, Man City, obviously, but Arsenal, but they have a European rotation to really factor in. That's just one of the things you need to look at there. So you're not going to um, invest too much money or too many players there. Uh, differential picks. I get asked about this every single week. Um, Chelsea, I've touched on Mendy and aquetta I've touched on Bolly Saiz or Cody as a Wolves defender. Jota, I've touched on as well as Rudiger, Havertz. Um, Lacazette. Or Erdegard I'd look at one of those guys. Arsenal's fixtures are the best for the running. I'm going to have one of those two guys in my team, probably Odegaard. And also Kelechi Iannaccio, 5.7 million and still only 2.9% owned. He's going to start. It's not a flash in the pan. He's outperforming his stats by a long way. And I think he looks like a really, really good option moving forward. Um, captain this week is either going to be Kane, Bamford, Rafinha or Bruno. Um, For me, I think it's going to be Bruno, because I don't have Kane still. Uh, I had Kane in my free-hit team, but I don't have him in my actual team. Um, But any of those four guys, for me, absolutely fine as captain picks. Outside differential one, you could look at Richarlison. Um, And to cover the news that you really need to consider this week, that we've touched on a few times, but just to clarify, double game week for Spurs. In game week 32, they play Everton and Southampton, which is why I'll be using my triple captainship that week. There's a blank for Crystal Palace in game week 32 because of that. Not that that matters to anybody, really. There's a blank in 33 for Man City, Spurs, Southampton and Fulham. So you need to make sure you don't have too many of those players in. Otherwise, you'd be lacking players in that game week unless you've you've got your free hits. And there are two fixtures still to fit in. And that's Everton against Villa and Crystal Palace against Southampton. And unless Southampton make the FA Cup final... Um, or they move the fixtures around to try and get fans back into stadiums earlier. Both of those games are likely to go into game week 37 for double game weeks uh, because then they don't clash with the Champions League or European football. Um, And Sky and BT don't like to clash against each other. Um, The deadline's 11 o'clock on Saturday morning, so make sure you've got your transfers done and in by then. Um, And I think I'll be looking at taking a one-week punt this week before I use my wild card in game week 31. Of the differentials, by the way, that I've listed in my wildcard draft at the moment are Erdegaard, Ian Acho, Conor Cody, Diogo Jota, Asper and Eduard Mendy, just for your reference at the
1: moment.
0: Brilliant. I'll to that as always, Bud. Uh, right, we're going to reveal our combined 11 to start the Euros. And, obviously, if you've been following, you're aware that it's going to be Jordan Pickford that we've chosen in net, begrudgingly. Uh, Reese James is our right back. Uh, our centre-backs is going to be Harry Maguire and John Stones with Luke Shaw as our left back. Uh, Declan Rice is going to be our sole defensive midfielder with Phil Foden and Mason Mount making up the midfield three. Uh, Jack Grealish is going to be on the left-hand side first with Harry Kane, of course, up top. And Jadon Sancho, a late substitution from uh, Raheem Sterling. It was uh, the, the pick we had, but Jaden Sancho comes in on the right-hand side. Right, some very interesting shouts and droppings from the, the squads from the boys, uh, and here are a few uh, bits to take from that. Alex not picking Jordan Pickford at all in his squad, just going with the two goalkeepers. No places for Sam Johnston, Fraser Forster, or Alex McCarthy, who have all made previous squads. In defence, Aaron Questwell and Luke Aylin both get a vote each to make the squad Trent Alexander-Arnold and Kyle Walker getting two votes each to back up Rhys James. No place at all for Kieran Trippier, who's been squad regular recently, or Aaron Wan-Bissaka. In midfield, no places for the likes of Harry Winks, Eric Dyer or Jude Bellingham. The England vice-captain Jordan Henson only makes two of our squads, as we talked about, and Jesse Lingard pips James Madison by a vote for a, an attacking, attacking midfield position. Then the surprises in attack... There's two votes for Mason Greenwood to make the squad. One vote for Patrick Banford, and no votes at all for Danny Ings, uh, Watkins or Callum Hudson-Odoi. Uh, right, Scott, uh, talk me through your squad. Obviously, we've mentioned Jordan Henderson not being in it. There's no Trent Alexander-Arnold either. Aaron Cresswell makes your squad. Uh, continuing your West Ham loving this season.
1: Yeah, I just love West Ham, don't I? So, uh, yeah. Big up, big up the Hammers.
0: Um, North West Ham hates Newcastle. I
1: hate Newcastle. There's no Newcastle players anywhere near my squad. I have not even make the England B team. Um, yeah, Cresswell for me, Alex will soon tell you, he's the top defending point scorer in fantasy football this year. And I know it's not all on point scoring on fantasy football, but he's got to be doing something right, hasn't he? Into In an overachieving West Ham side. Uh, more assists, more big chances created. He's lost the ball less. He's had more blocks. I know you can counter that with things for Trent. But for me, he's been brilliant. He's brewing with confidence as well. He's playing in a winning West Ham team. That's why he's in the squad for me. Um, could could change in six weeks' time if Trent has a banging end to the season. I think I think he's class. If he has a brilliant end to the season, I think his arguments for him starting. But for now, for me, Creswell starts. And yeah, not much more really to say about Jordan Henderson. I've, I don't like picking people that are injured and that have not been playing for a few weeks. I've, I'm a big believer in form. We've struggled in the past so with taking people not playing. Uh, Jack Wilshire's won, I think last year He took him and he played about ten minutes of football that season. Um, you've got to play people on form, and for me, that's why that's why he's not in the squad for me.
0: Okay, fair enough. Alex Greenwood and Lingard both make your squad, so obviously non-biased being a Man United fan. Um, has Mason Greenwood really done enough to get selected? Well,
2: first of all, Lingard's a no-brainer. So let's just make sure at the moment he's been doing the best out of any player pretty much form-wise recently. And Greenwood, I think he offers a fantastic option on the right-hand side of the front three. I think he's the most natural player to play there behind Jadon Sancho in terms of a player who can be two-footed, can go outside, can go inside. He's got probably one of the best shots on him up there with Harry Kane out of any other player. Um, I think he's done a fantastic second half of the season. Yeah, first half of the season. He was terrible um, but I think actually as an, an option coming off the bench as well, I think he does really well. I'd have Rashford coming off the bench as well. I wouldn't start Rashford. I think both of those guys have great impact. And yeah, I think that, I think he's a, a really, really good player.
1: I think I think him and Foden will have a good time in the Rs as well, won't they? Absolutely.
3: <laughs> I mean, Alex, I, I respect your opinion on a lot of things, but putting Mason Greenwood in that squad, how? There's absolutely you know, you can't talk about him being a Jordan Henderson where you know, he's got the, the historical evidence to prove that he should be there. Mason Greenwood, what what's what that selection about? I just can't understand it. He's got no statistics to back that up. He's got no form to back that up. He's got no game time. I'm I, I just, I just going to need some kind of justification for even even thinking about Mason Greenwood. It's a
2: strange one. I think he's uh, one of the best front-sided players on the right-hand side in the league. I think he's got some of the best potential. I think he can oh. really spark a game to life as well. As long as he's got know, potential.
3: As long as he's got potential. We love the word potential in England. Yeah,
2: he's not, We've, had not, potential.
3: Not. We've had potential. We've potential since I could uh, I could understand commentary. You know.
2: Yeah, I think he, I think he's a really good backup for Sancho on the right hand side. That's why I think he's a the, a good option to have in the squad.
0: <laughs> he strikes me as a bit with more of a, a Theo Walcott back in 2006. Whenever we took him, he's just never going to play, is he? So, uh, if even if we do take him, uh, Tom, I have to ask Bamford and Ailing, uh, warranted over potential other options, and no caps at all between them, so a risk.
3: Yes, and I'll absolutely keep it nice and concise for you, but. Agree with Scott, you take form players to major tournaments because you want them to have the confidence. Patrick Bamford is the second highest highest goal involvement English striker, I believe, after Harry Kane. So why is he not in there? I I can't explain that one, doesn't make any sense. Uh, I don't think that you need any more evidence um, for a striker to go in the England team apart from goals and assists. So Patrick Bamford should be there. Uh, and the second one, Ailing, that's a bit more questionable. But Southgate himself name-dropped Luke Ayling because he appreciates what Luke Ayling does. And I've got Luke Ayling in there because not only is he a brilliant right back with the most progressive runs out of any player in Europe, but he, it can also fill in at centre-back as well. And that's why Luke Ayling's in there.
2: Can I please say, right, you've got to go with Greenwood, Ailing, right? He's basically played cent- centre-back pretty much all season. He's not played right-back. He's involved in one of the worst defences in the Premier League. He's had zero goal involvements.
3: Talk about progressive yeah. runs all season. He cannot be in the England squad. Alex, Alex, he has made more progressive movement with the ball than Lionel Messi, Rodrigo De Paul. Some of these players are absolutely brilliant. And Luke Ailing... Luke Ayling has made more progressive runs than all of them. Do you know what? Just, he just think, about what you just said. think about what you just said. He played he played centre back for most of the season. But when he's played right back, he's been brilliant. And if you you ask any of the pundits who have been one of Leeds' best players, it's Luke Ayling. So, Luke Hayden gets in there, all the way from Yeovil to the Euros, he should be there. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, it would be a great story, but Scott, just so you
2: know, Leeds have conceded only one less goal than your favourite team, Newcastle, this season, and he's involved in that centre-back pairing. So, yeah, yeah, Hayden, great news. Well, he's sure. got, got, oh.
1: got great hair, hasn't he? He has got great hair. He's got, got great hair. hair, but as a right-back, getting into, we've got, what, 982 right-backs ahead of him, haven't we? Let's be honest.
3: Auxiliary centre-back,
0: Scott. Oh. Ooh. ooh, ooh we have got, so. got plenty of them as well. But yeah, if you can have Greenwood, Alex, uh, I'm going to allow Tom to have Luke Ayling in there. Right, enough England chat for now. Uh, we'll uh, move on to, to uh, our quick-fire questions to finish off the show as always. Tom, I'm going to come to you first. Sergio Aguero has announced he's leaving Manchester City this summer. Where does he rank in terms of the best Premier League striker ever for you?
3: He's the best. He's the best. It's as simple as that. If you look at Sergio Aguero and what he has done for Man City, I think it's unrivaled compared to other clubs. Uh, If you look at his statistics, he is about on track with Kane and Henry uh, for goals per game. I think it's 0.67, and uh, Kane and Henry are both 0.68. But he's got... Too tight. Uh, he's got sorry. Uh, four champions. Uh, four Premier League titles. Five League Cups. An FA Cup. So he's got more trophies than either of those players. Um, and a, a stat that I'm really shocked at because I know Aguero is injury prone, but he's had 608 days of injury during uh, football seasons. He's missed 106 games while he's been at City. That's the best part of three seasons. What would his numbers be if he had been fit the whole time? It's scary. So uh, for me, having looked at all that, Sergio, where is is the best. it is completely changed the landscape of Man City as a football club.
0: Okay, fair enough. Alex, what do you think of the Women's Super League getting a big TV deal with Sky Sports? Great to see, I think.
2: That's amazing. A few stats on that and facts. 44 games Sky Sports are going to show. 18 are also going to be shown on BBC One and Two mainstream. Um, £15 million pounds worth of investment from Sky and the deal runs till 2024. Um, FA Player will show the rest of the women's games uh, on uh, online for you know, the other 132 matches or the total 132 matches. Um, the Women's Super League will keep 75% of the money and 25% will go to the Championship. So there won't be a massive disparity between the two leagues, which I think is a fantastic touch. Uh, the game times will be 6.30 on Friday, 11.30 on Saturday, 12.30 and 6.30 on Sundays. It's just a fantastic step forward for equality and inclusion. And there'll be it'll really help with the central investments into the facilities, a youth investment and all of the opportunity that young girls will get across the country to play football. And also, in the meantime, will attract the best talent from across the world. Um, and it's just great that it's happened one of the same weeks as Rebecca Welsh becomes the first Female official to referee a football league game, uh, Harrogate against Port Vale. Um, Shan Massielis was said, uh, talking about it recently, and she was like, the more it's on, the more it's on TV, the more it takes away from that stereotype and culture. Um, she talks about women in the game. Uh, the more diversity you have, uh, the more it doesn't look any different to people. And the more normal it is, the less challenging it is. And I agree with her entirely. Um, I think it's a fantastic, massive step forward. For the women's game. Great news.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Um, Scott, the England under-21s, a uh, bit of blow yesterday when conceding the last minute goal to get knocked out of the Euros. Um, why has it not mm-hmm. worked out better? And is it an impossible job, like ADB always said,
1: It's a tough job, isn't it? Let's be honest. Uh, it's not worked out. I think when you look at certain cl- uh, countries around the world, they keep their pack of players for the majority of um, qualifying periods and um, major tournaments so keep them together they're very, very 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 rarely get poached by the senior team what we love to do is see someone performing eight games in the Premier League and go yeah you can join us in the proper squad now take them away from that uh, Euro under 21 environment and yeah we just struggle because we just keep pin- picking the best players out on and having them Saka brings to mind we've had loads down here. so yeah that's why if we keep doing that we'll never win anything at Euro uh, at youth level on the 21 level so yeah that's why
0: Right, okay, we're going to wrap it up there, lads. Um, There's a few more questions that we'll ask next week, um, but let's call it a day. Uh, Thanks, as always, for your time. Um, Next week, we've got some big Premier League games to react to, including Manchester City and Leicester. Arsenal, Liverpool will also be reacting to the Champions League as the quarterfinals take centre stage. As always, please gamble responsibly. If you want to follow us on social media, please do so. And All In Football Pod on Instagram and All In Football P on Twitter. Have a great weekend, guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you later. Thank you.